So the book of Philippians is one of my favorite books in the New Testament of the Bible. And I, and I, I said earlier I love preaching this way because it's, it's not normal for me to go chapter by chapter and verse by verse. But I do want to walk you through uh, this very important book uh, of the Bible. It's a short book in the Bible. And so let me just encourage you that if, you, if you're new to the Bible and you think, man, I don't know if I can read this much, I want you to read this book of the Bible. Really, my hope for you, I'd love for you to read it every single week in the next four weeks. Read the whole, read the whole thing. And it's only four chapters, everybody. Four chapters. Most Bibles, it's just two, two pages in your Bible. And I really want you to get this in your spirit over the, over the course of the next four weeks. As we preach through it, chapter by chapter, I want, I want you to be working through it, what God's talking to you. And I hope you read your Bible every day. But I really want you to focus in the book of Philippians over the next four weeks. Amen. And I like this for a lot of reasons. I get to tell you a little history and context. If you're new to the Bible especially, I love this kind of stuff. I, I, kind of, I love history and I love, I love you know, context of where this comes from. Sometimes you read the Bible and you don't realize sort of wherever, you know, where, where, like what's happening in history and what's going on. So let me walk you through that. The book of Philippians is actually a letter. It's an epistle. We call it a pastoral epistle uh, or, or uh, a prison epistle. So your Bible is a book of books. There's 66 books in the Bible, and in the New Testament there are 27 books, and they are not arranged chronologically. In other words, they're not arranged how they happened or how they were even written or what was going on in human history. They're grouped together by the type of book that they are. So in the New Testament, we group together at the, at the latter part of the New Testament uh, epistles, which are letters uh, that most of the time the Apostle Paul has written to other churches. And Philippians is one of those letters that he wrote to a church and it is called a pastoral and prison letter because it is pastoral and written from prisons. So anyway, there's a lot of books that Paul wrote from prison. Philippians is one of those books, and so we, sort of, we, we group it together that way. Now, this book is super, super important in your Bible, in the context of your Bible, because of how it all came to be. So you can't really read the content until you know the context of what's sort of going on in, in, in life. Paul is an apostle. Apostle just means overseer. Paul has gone into a city in Europe called Philippi, and he planted a church around 52 A.D. Some theologians think a little earlier. I think it's 52, 53 A.D. So about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul takes his first missionary journey into Europe, what is, what is then Europe, the, the, as far as the world uh, is known then, and into Philippi, and he plants... This church, and he only stays there a little while, and then he puts a pastor and elders that help run that church, and, and he goes on and, and plants uh, more churches. And he has this deep love for Philippi. I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why, but it just it, it matters so much to him. And you'll see in this letter that he writes to them just how much love he has for them. They're just, he's just like, man, I just I think about, I mean, I've planted other churches and I like those, but I love y'all. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like how I feel about y'all in first service. I love y'all. You know what I mean? Anyway, don't tell them. So he, he tells Philippi, I just, I just love, I love you. I have this deep love for uh, this church. And, and there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, Paul, actually, while he's in Philippi planting this church, he gets thrown into prison, into prison in, in this city. And if you're new to the Bible, Acts 16, some of my favorite passages in all the Bible are Acts 15 and 16. And it's the Jerusalem council, and then Paul is planting this church. He leaves Jerusalem, goes to Philippi, plants this church. 
And he's in prison uh, with a guy named Silas, one of his ministry partners there. And, and if you know the story, they're in, this, they're in this prison in Philippi and they're chained to one another. Probably chained to a, uh, to a prison guard that's there. And the Bible says it's midnight. In Acts 16, it's midnight. And Paul and Silas, his ministry partner, start singing praises and hymns to God at midnight. And, 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 and the Bible says that their chains broke off. The earthquake happened. The, every door of the jail opened up. And everybody gets free. The jailer gets saved, baptized, his whole family. Because even when you're in your prison and chained down, God's plan for your life will not stop. Shout amen to that. It just won't stop. It just won't stop. And, and, so, and I love that. I love that about Paul. I wish I had time to preach it to you. As a matter of fact, in August, I'm going to do a whole series on worship. I want this to be a church filled with worship. I want you to live a worship lifestyle. Worship is more than just raising your hands. It's how you live your life. Say amen to that, everybody. It's more than singing songs. It's the song that is in your heart and in your life. And Paul had that, that even though I'm in prison in Philippi, I'm going to sing and worship, and God delivers them out of this prison. So he has this deep affection for Philippi. Ten years pass, and this church is now ten years old. Paul has planted many more churches around Asia and Europe since then. Paul finds himself in Jerusalem. He's taken into custody in Jerusalem in a trial, shipped to Caesarea on the coast, if you could see a map today. They put him on a boat, take him across the Mediterranean, and he winds up in Rome. And in Rome, he is in prison again. And it's there that he writes to the church at Philippi. It's there in this prison in Rome that he writes about 62 A.D. Listen, and, and the whole book, the theme of the whole book is joy no matter what. Now, i gotta, I got to give you all of this foundation because you won't understand Philippians as we go through it verse by verse if you don't understand what's happening in Paul's life right now. But in, in, in four chapters, two pages in your Bible in the book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is mentioned 16 times. 16 times in four chapters, two pages. More than any other book of the Bible combined, the word joy or rejoice is written in Philippians. And Paul, is, it's, the, it's the clearest theme of, of, of this book, is I want you to have joy. I want you to live in joy. He's writing to mature these Christians who have been in Philippi 10 years. Let me pause here and say, you're never too grown, never too mature, never too grown up in faith that you don't have more to learn, more to grow, more to give. Come on, more to mature, more to get complete. You say, well, pastor, I've been saved 20 years. That's awesome. About 19 and a half years ago, you probably quit growing. Come on. There's more for you to learn. Say amen to that. That's why church is so important. Bible reading, prayer, fasting, serving is so. I'm never. There is no such thing as I've arrived now. Come on, everybody. There's more for me to learn and mature. And so Paul is writing back to this church he plants ten years ago to mature them. Now the irony of this book of joy, sixteen times he talks about joy, is that Paul is in prison in Rome. Now when I say prison, I don't want you to think about locked up like you watch on television. I don't want you to think like orange jumpsuit, hanging out, basket weaving, learning a craft, reading books, going to the library, buying cigarettes at the commissary. 
Why did y'all laugh? How do you know about that? I, I'm not asking. It's not, it's not prison like that. It's not color TV in every room. It's, not, it's, not, it's nothing like that. Roman prisons were the worst in probably human history. Romans would put people in prison that they believed were, were worse than, like it, for, for them it was worse than dying. Like it was, it was an awful experience. They would actually build prisons. They've, un, they've uncovered uh, ancient prisons, probably where Paul was kept, underneath cemeteries. So they would, they, would, they would bury their dead, and underneath it, they would build a dungeon that would be their prison. I mean, it was horrible. No light, no, no fresh air, cold, damp, dank, and Paul is in maximum security, which in, in ancient Rome just meant they connect you one by one to a prison guard. In other words, we heard what you did in Philippi when you and Silas were connected together because when you get in a small group, it's amazing what you can change. Y'all thought I wasn't going to bring that up, didn't you? When you get in a group with together, when believers get together, it's amazing how the world can change. And so they said, we heard what you did with Silas, so we're not going to put you with another believer. We're going to put you with a prison guard, maximum security. And so Paul is attached. Neither of them have showered in a minute. It's awful down here. They're underneath the cemetery. At any moment, Paul believes he's going to die. He's on death row. He's literally taking it moment by moment, day by day, writing this letter to a church that he loves so much. Now, Rome is significant to Paul because Rome is the capital of the known world and Rome is Paul's dream location. If I could plant a church anywhere, Paul would say, it would be Rome. He would often talk about how he wished he had a stage, a platform, a church, a place in Rome. Anybody ever ever play this game with your spouse? If we win the lottery, we're moving to... Anybody else play this game? Nobody? Why do you not play the lottery? Play and then tithe. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding a little bit. Brandy and I play this game all the time. We don't play the lottery all the time. We play the game, where would we live all the time, for, for clarity. And, and, and in first service, I said, Do you, does anybody know what that is? Somebody yelled out, comfort. Listen, if your dream is to move to comfort, you got to get out more. You know what I'm saying? you got to get out more. you gotta, you got to get out more. Okay, you got to get some exposure. When God blesses us, I've, I've, I've told Brandy for, for decades now, we're going to retire in La Jolla, California, a little village just outside of San Diego. It's the most perfect place on planet Earth. I can't promise you it's the Garden of Eden, but it's as close as I think I will ever come to it. And I'm going to wear short shorts and long tube socks with uh, circles on the top of them. And I'm going to drive a golf cart everywhere. I'm going to have a car. And that's how I'm going to retire. I, just so you know, in case you're wondering where your boy's at, you can find me there <laughs> in La Jolla. Paul, is, he just dreams about Rome. It's this, it's, it, it, it is the New York City of his day. It's the cosmopolitan area. It's, it's, I wish I could start here. But instead of being on a stage and preaching and building a church and doing what God's told me to do and, 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 and reaching people for Jesus, I'm in this prison underneath a cemetery chained to a guard waiting to die. And that's the backdrop that Paul would write to this church he loves so dear in Philippi. And it starts like this in Philippians 1. I thank my God, every time I remember you. Now look into my eyes before you read the rest of the verse. If I'm in those conditions, my dream city, but I I can't go enjoy it, I can't go do what I'm called to do, I'm in this prison, I'm chained to you, life seems like it's gone completely wrong, the first thing I write to my dear friends, the church I planted in Philippi, is not, I thank God. My first thing is, 
Get me out. Come on, somebody like 444-4444. Call a bell bond. Somebody come bail me out. You know what I'm trying to say on that? Somebody come get me out of here. That's my first word. Dear y'all, help. That's, I, I, I'm, I'm starting with it's bad. It, Caesar stinks. This is awful. I haven't eaten in days. I'm dying down here. Where are you at? And Paul opens this letter on joy with, I thank my God. What would happen in your life if every time you opened up the letter of your heart and your mouth, you said, God, it's not what it could be, but I'm so grateful for what I do have. God, I'm thankful for what I've got. And Paul said, I thank my God. He opens with gratefulness. Every time I think about you, I told you he, he loves this church. It means so much to him. In all my prayers, when I pray for all of you, the saints at Philippi, I always pray with, say this word out loud. That was the worst out loud possible. Say the word joy. joy. I pray with joy. Are you kidding? Hang on, Paul. We just got here, buddy. You just took your boots off, and the first two things out of your mouth are gratefulness and joy. How in the world are you? Do you not know where you're at or what you're going through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I think about you, I'm thankful and I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the day I planted this church until now. And I am confident of this. That he who began, next slide, he who began a new work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He said, I want you to know, I, I know I'm in a prison. I'll tell you about prison later, but it's not as awful as you think it is. I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to have hard days. It's going to be tough, but I'm thankful to God and I pray with joy and I want you to know God's going to complete what He said He's going to do. Let me pause here and tell you. If you don't catch anything else, I want you to catch this about Philippians. You can have joy no matter what situations in your life. It doesn't matter how dark the dungeon is, how cold it is, how long you've been down there, who you're chained to, how bad the doctor's report is, how long it's been since you slept, how terrible the addiction is, how awful the divorce was. It doesn't matter how bad it is. When God starts something good in you, He he will complete everything He started in your life. That's better than you just amened. I got 19 minutes to convince you that that's true. You can have joy no matter what. Paul had something, listen to this, he had something greater than happiness. He had joy. Because if he only had happiness, he couldn't have written a letter from the bottom of a Roman prison and opened it with, I thank God. And he couldn't have talked about all the joy that he had because there's no joy in the bottom of a Roman prison. But Paul had something greater than happiness. He had joy on the inside. Let me, let me stop here and tell you. Let me, I, I, this is going to be a pastoral series. I'm, just, I'm warning you about that. And I want you to grab a hold of it. I want you to release me to help you grow up and mature. A sign of maturity of your Christianity is that you can have joy no matter what. A sign of immaturity when I meet Christians who say, I don't know, Pastor, it seems terrible, everything's going bad. I don't know. Well, tell me what's going bad. Well, everything's going bad. I hate my life, hate my job, hate my wife, hate my kids, hate my, hate, hate my money, hate me, hate my bald head. I hate everything about just the whole life. It's just terrible right now. That's a, I'm just telling you, it's a sign of immaturity in your faith. Maturity comes. Paul is trying to mature the church at Philippi.
by reminding them you can have joy no matter what. And a sign of maturity in your walk with God is not temporary happiness. It's joy. We live in a world that's, that's in the pursuit of happiness. We, we made a movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Everybody's trying to find happiness somewhere. I'm trying to find it in stuff. I hope everything goes well. I hope it's just blue skies and butterflies all the time. I, I, just, I want it to be the best life. And, and, and we talk, like we have a phrase, it's a popular phrase. You're living your best life. Come on, I'm just, he's out, just, I'm just out here living my best life. He's just out here living his best life. The problem is that stuff's temporary because your best life comes to an end the next Tuesday when the phone rings and the doctor says, you need to come in, i got to talk to you. Your best life goes crashing down when the manila envelope arrives and the divorce papers are there. Your best life happens when everything that you've saved for goes floating out when your business partner betrays you and walks away with half of your life savings. Your best life isn't dependent on whether you're laying out by the pool in the sunshine. Your best life is I can have joy no matter what's going on in my life. If it's blue skies or gray skies, raining or sunshine, I can have joy. That's better than your amening. You can have joy no matter what. And I want this church to be full of joy. And if you don't like this kind of preaching, the next three weeks is going to be hard on you. If you just naturally like, I'm just kind of a melancholy person. This is going to be tough for you. I'm just telling you. I want you to shed that skin like a snake sheds his skin every year. And I want you to come out with joy in your life. No matter your circumstance. No, I'm not degrading or downplaying what's happened to you. I'm just telling you in spite of what's happened to you, you can have joy. Paul had something better than happiness. He had joy. Let me give you three differences. They're different. You, you, but, but people sometimes interchange these words. They're not. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. Write these three things down. Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Happiness is external. Joy is, is internal. Oh, but you don't know my life, Pastor. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the stuff that I've gone through. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you what Paul's gone through. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians. He wrote to another church in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, let me tell you how bad my life's been. I've been beaten with, with 39 stripes, those are the stripes they gave Jesus, by the way, on the way to the cross. They did it once to Jesus. Five times they gave it to Paul. You read it, 2 Corinthians 11. He said, three times I've been beaten with rods. These are long rods, the reeds, actually, of a plant that they would beat Paul with till it ripped around and pulled flesh out of his, in the entire circumference of his body. He said, that happened to me three times. He said, one time I was stoned. Now, some of you are thinking, well, at least he got some relief. You know, he got stoned one time. That not recreational stoning. Come on, somebody. One time he was stoned, like, like real like rocks, stoning. Like one time they were throwing rocks at me trying to kill me. It, it, it was, it was terrible. I've been shipwrecked. You read it for yourself. Three times. Not once. Three times I've been shipwrecked. I spent a whole day and a whole night, probably 48 hours the way that they, they can call time. He said, I spent a day and a night in the deep. In other words, he was floating around in the middle of the ocean with sharks circling around him. He had nothing to protect him, nothing to... He said, I spent a day and a night just like that. I've been cold. I've been naked. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've been sleepless. But, listen, it's been terrible. But, 2 Corinthians 4... Therefore, we do not lose heart. Are you kidding me? I'd have done lost heart. I'd have done lost my marriage and lost my mind. Come on, somebody. He said, no, no, no. We're not going to lose heart in that. Even though outwardly, 
Here's the difference. I'm wasting away inwardly. I'm being renewed every single day. Come on, happiness is what happens to me. Joy is what's happening inside of me. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. Does it mean you don't have bad days? No, Paul said I had plenty of bad days. Plenty of times I thought it was over. Plenty of times I didn't think we were going to make it through. Outwardly, I am wasting away. But inwardly, something's kind of stirring in me. These are the people I love at this church that say, you know what, it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside, there's something stirring inside of me, keeps me coming, keeps me serving, keeps me smiling, keeps things going the right direction, keeps my head up, keeps my arms in the air during worship. I'm being renewed every single day. Because our light and momentary troubles, these don't sound light and momentary, but Paul said they are. They're achieving for me something that happiness can't give me. They're achieving for me an eternal glory that outweighs everything. So, I fix my eyes not on what I can see in this world, but on what I can't see. Since what, what I see here is just temporary. This world is passing by. The old song says it like this. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Our treasures are laid I feel like singing. I wish I could. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. You know that old song? Our grandparents used to sing that in church. You know why? Because all they had was heaven, the hope of heaven. But when we get too much in, in our lives and, and we get too many possessions, too much stuff, it, it, you, just, you start forgetting. By the way, this world's not our home, everybody. There's something better than this world. Heaven is not just another world. It's the best world. It's better than this one. I don't care as bad or as good as you have it here. Paul said there's something better. And what is unseen is e. He said, happiness happens externally, but joy is internal. I'm wasting away on the outside, but I'm being renewed inwardly. Is this helping anybody? Number two, write this down. Happiness, I'm giving you the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on a circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. Happiness is based on a circumstance. Underline that word. Circle that word in your notes. If you're not taking notes, circle that word in your notes. Circumstance. Happiness is based on my circumstance. You know, we get the word circumstance literally. It's from, from Latin. It literally means the, the circle, the same circle where you stand. It's, it's this, my circumstance is, is the immediate circle around my life. And I have met people whose happiness is determined on what's going on in the circle that I'm standing in. So if everything's good and everything's going great, we got plenty of money in the bank, we're not fighting, and, and, and the kids are, everything's good, and job's okay, that man, I'm, they're just, a, oh, I'm, every time I ask them, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Oh, God's been, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Come on, somebody. All the, all the, they get real spiritual when you get, when, when you get in your circumference and everything's going good. And, this, and the same people, the next Sunday, I say, how's it going, man? How's, how's your world? Oh, I don't know, Pastor. I don't think it's going to work, man. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. What happened? Well, she left. It's over. Well, she left because you're dumb. But I mean, besides that, like, what? 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 what tell, I don't. I'm just not going to try. I don't guess. Right, so you're telling me, you're telling me from one week to the next, God was super good to you last Sunday, but this Sunday He's failed you. No, no, no. It's because I'm ba- I'm basing my, my happiness on what's happening in the circle that I'm standing. Happiness is about my circumstance. Joy. 
has nothing to do with where I'm standing. It has everything to do with what God's done for me. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and how Jesus has conquered. How Jesus is making a way in my life. The hope that I have there. It's joy no matter what I'm standing in. No matter. Paul would write it like this in Philippians 4. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance that I'm standing in. Whatever it is that I'm standing in. I've found a way to have joy outside of my circumstance. If you just are happy in circumstantially, you will live your life on an emotional and I'll suppose a spiritual roller coaster where you're up and down, up and down, up and down, never finding a medium, never finding true north in your life. True north in the life of a believer is joy. You write that down because I'm going to write a book about that one day how you can have a true north in your life that's joy it, it constantly pulls you back is it good no it just pulls me back is it okay no but I'm pulled back to joy is everything answered I don't have all the answers but I'm pulled back to joy it's the true north of a believer's life and you can't have it if you're just chasing temporary happiness based on your circumstance based on where you're standing Here's the the third thing, the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. Happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. Happiness is just if I get the promotion, if things go well, if, if we have a good day, if we don't fight and yell and cuss and fuss and throw. If everything's okay in my life, then I can be happy. You having a good day? Yeah. You ever met people? Don't point at them. You ever met people in your life where you have to ask? Is this a good day? You having a good day? You having a good day? You know what that means? The people around you know what that means. It means you're fragile enough that if you're not having a good day, everybody's having a bad day. I told y'all I'm pastoring you through this. You better just say amen because it's only going to get worse. We got four chapters. Happiness is a chance. I don't know. Could be a good day, could be a bad day. Believer, listen, you are not meant as a believer for the world to approach you and not know who they're going to get. When they come to you, they should know. I'm not saying it's right, everything's okay, everything's answered in your life. But when a believer comes to you, they should say, I know things are falling apart, and yet they have joy. I know things aren't good at home, and yet they have joy. I know they just lost their job, and yet they have joy. I know they're struggling in their marriage, and yet they have joy. Joy is a choice. We only have four values at City Hills. If you're new here, this is a super simple church. We have four vision statements and four values. There's probably other churches with 25 values, and they're probably a lot more spiritual than we are. We have four. (laughs) And the last of those values, is we choose joy. We choose joy. We will be known by joy. We will be known by joy. No matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on, we're not going to be the people that bow our heads and and worry and weep and cry and talk about what's bad. We're going to be the people that lift our eyes to the hills because that's where our help comes from. It's joy no matter what. Shout amen to that. You will have trouble. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. In this world, you will have 
trouble. And, and some people believe when I get saved, everything gets better. No, you get saved, you're still married to Him, living in that house, going to that job. You still have those kids. Your spirit got saved, but your flesh didn't get saved. Come on, your emotions, your soul, that didn't get saved. The spirit's the only thing about you that got regenerated. you got to get everything else under subjection. It doesn't mean you don't have trouble in this world, but Jesus completes that passage in John. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Joy comes from Christ. It's, it's a choice I make in my life. Look at your neighbor right in the eyes and smile as big as you can. Come on. Show them every... T- I just saw somebody with Chandler like... Chandler, anybody friends? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Come on, you got to practice joy. It's a choice to get up. and Some of you are going to have to talk yourself into it Monday morning. Stand at the front door before you go into that office and go, I know these people are terrible. I know these people are going to hell. God sent me here on a mission. I'm here to reach everybody in here. I'm working with a bunch of devils. God, I, you've called me like Jonah. This is Nineveh to me. But I'm going to practice joy today. I'm going to choose joy in this. I'm not going to complain and gripe and worry. I'm not going to stress about it. I'm going to choose joy. You're marriage will improve by tenfold today. Your wife may be in the hospital from a heart attack if you just wake up tomorrow morning in a good mood. Just choosing joy. Doesn't mean you got all the money you wish you had. Doesn't mean everything's right and this is the house of our dreams. It just means I'm going to be thankful for what I've got and happiness is not going to be determined by what happens to me, what chances in my life. I'm going to choose joy today. I appreciate three or four of y'all with me today. So how do you choose joy? I'm going to give it to you. I've got four minutes and 40 seconds. No way I'm going to finish. I'm just going to go over a morning and now. <laughs> I'm not attempting to uh, get done early. Let me give you three ways, and we'll start walking through chapter one. Chapter one today. Open your Bibles. Come on. Chapter one starts like this. And this is my prayer. Verse nine. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. By the way... This is my prayer for you. I've never wanted a church full of perfect people. I actually wanted a church full of imperfect people that have lost hope in religion. It's dry and cold and dead, and they wanted something real and life-giving. That's, that's the kind of church I always wanted. But I, I also, listen, I also never wanted a church full of religious people who thought they know it all and matured enough, and there's nothing you can help them with or train them or coach them. or They don't believe church is a mission field. And so Paul would say, And I would tell you, my prayer is that you don't settle, but that your love may abound more and more. Two ways, in knowledge, that's why church is important, so I can preach the word of God to you and you grow in knowledge. And in depth of insight, that's why the growth track is important. Because it's that growth track where where we help you discover the spiritual gifts and, and talents God's given you. So you can so you can put them in action and start using what God created you to do and make a difference. That you may be able to discern what's best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Man, this is so good pastoring. I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul gives us three, three areas, and, and I'll hurry. I'll hurry through these three. He gives you three areas if you want to have joy no matter what. Now, these are going to be, I'm telling you, if you'll open your heart to this, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, it just, it has, a, it has a way to change your spiritual life. Number one, stop asking why. 
You will die. Look into my eyes. You will die in your wives. You'll die a spiritual death in your wives. I have met Christians for 30, 40, 50 years who have kept questioning why. Why did I have to get born into this family? Why did that uncle do that? Why did she walk away? Why did he leave us? Why did he abandon the kids? Why did my mom not want me? Why did that tragedy happen? Why did we bury that baby? Why did we have that miscarriage? Why did this happen like it did? In 30, 40, 50 years, they live a joyless experience with Christ because they, uh, they cannot get past their wives. And look, listen to me, as your pastor, if, if I'm your pastor, I'm asking you to, I'm asking you to just, just take what I'm telling you. I don't know. I don't know. I know this world's broken. I know that. I know the world's full of sin. I know it's full of evilness. I know you didn't do anything about that. I didn't. We were born into this sin. We were shaping into this iniquity. But I do know this, that it creates heartache and hurt and pain and evil all over the world. I do know that. And there's things that happen in your life that, listen, if you have to have an answer to why, you will not have joy in your life. You'll die in your wives. I'm not telling you I wish I had an answer. I wish I had an answer. I I, 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 I wish I had an answer to why. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a and a session. Come on, somebody. I got, so I got a list. Your boy's got a list. Okay, God, we've been here a few million years. Listen, there's some things I want to talk to you about. What? 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 What were you thinking right there? Why, why did you do it that way? Why? I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I, maybe when you get to heaven, we get a new body and a new mind. Maybe you'll just know. The Bible says we see through a glass darkly now. But when we get to heaven, when we get there, we see face to face. There may be some stuff you just go, oh, that's why. That's how. That's why I get to. But listen, if you have to have a why on this side of heaven, you will not ever get to joy in your life. God never promised you a world without pain. He never promised you it would be perfect. He promised you He would be with you no matter what. you got to stop asking why. I don't know why. One of the hardest days of my ministry so far. Several years ago, was standing in a small chapel in a little funeral home in South Austin. Next, in front of a casket that was two feet long and held an eight-month-old baby. And I'm trying to console a mama. And I don't have any answers. I don't know why. It was an amazing thing that happened that day. I had prayed for weeks about that day. God, what do you say? What do you say to people? There's nothing to say. What do we talk about? What am I supposed to encourage them with? And that little mama, I, I, we did the little funeral. It was sweet. It was so small. She didn't have any family. We're standing at that chapel. End of service. My hand to God, Henry. End of the service. We're standing around the casket, and she comes to me smiling as big as... I said, what in the world? What do you do, what do, you do with that? She says, you know, Pastor, one of the things you said, that just, it's, just, it's so amazing. That this baby's made it to heaven. It didn't have to live through the hurt and the, and the pain and the trouble that I've had to live through. The terrible pain of her life that has just been horrific. She, it, that baby didn't have to. God took that baby before. And that baby's going to be in heaven waiting on me. And I've got more reason to go to heaven today than I had yesterday. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just know in heaven there's an answer. And if you have to have an answer to your wise here, it's never going to be joy. 
Number two, if you'll stop asking why, you can start asking what? Start asking what? Start asking what? Philippians 1 and 12 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has happened so that the gospel could be advanced. Listen to me. I'm giving you the keys to joy in your life. This is Philippians 1 and 12. He says, guys, bad things have happened to me. It's been tough. But I have, I'm sitting in the bottom of this prison in Rome, not asking God, why am I here again? Why another prison? Why a shipwreck? Why a stoning? Why a beating? Why, why death row? I'm not asking none of that. I'm asking, I want you to know what happened to me served a purpose. you got to stop asking why and start asking what. God, what are you doing in this? God, what are you trying to show me? God, what are you doing with my life? God, what plan do you have? I'm, I'm, I'm releasing some of you from prison right now. I'm telling you, I can feel it in my spirit. Some of you have been bound for years and years in your why. And you got to transition that why into a what. God, what do you want to do through this? God, what could I do for the kingdom because of what happened to me? God, what purpose do you have in this pain you walked me through? God, what could I do? God, what are you teaching me? God, what am I learning? God, what's the plan? God what can I do next God what step do I take God where do I go from here God I don't have to know why I just need to know what what you want me to do now what you want me to do now where, what, what could I do to help somebody else who's buried a baby God what could I do to help somebody else who's been infertile God what could I do not why quit asking why it, it, it never leads to joy God what what could I do what's the plan what's the ministry you have for me what calling do you have for my life start asking I just want you to know what happened to me had a purpose in it there's purpose in every pain of your life what is the antidote to why in every believer's life I'm telling you this right here is the channel of joy in your life this is the channel of if you'll get this it is the channel I want this so I'm so emotional about because I want it so bad for you that it's the channel of joy through all of your heartache and all of your problems and all of your trials and all the bad stuff you've walked through and all the problems you've, you've faced and, and, the, and the parents you had to bury and the children you lost and the addictions of your childhood and the molestation and why and why did they go and I don't have an answer but what do you want to do? What could you, what could you show me? What could you teach me? It's a, what I went through had a purpose. And joy comes Joy comes in the what, not the why. I'm down here right now, but I want you to know I'm, I'm preaching to every prisoner down here. Guys, be honest with you, it's crazy. Every time they put me in prison, all the guards get saved. It's the craziest thing. Guys, I, I prayed to get out of prison, but I started thinking. Every time I get in prison, all the prisoners get saved. So I just thought, I might as well be in prison so I could do what God wants me to do. I wish I could preach on the stage in Rome. But instead I'm chained to this guy and I'm almost there to convince him to get saved. So keep me down here a little longer so I can advance the gospel. What do you do with somebody who doesn't ask why? They just say, I want you to know what's happening to me is for God's plan in my life. Is this helping you? Here's the third thing you got to refocus on what really matters. So Paul, 
plants a church in Philippi. Ten years later, there's been more churches planted in Philippi. More, more people planted churches there. More Christians came from Jerusalem, came from other parts of the world, planted churches. And those pastors of those churches were talking about Paul's church. They, they were, some of them were there for the wrong reasons. They were there for money or they were there just, you know, some of them were Judaizers and they were, you know, legalists and, and, they, were, and they were making, they were talking about Paul's church. And so some of, the, some of the Christians in Paul's church in Philippi wrote letters to him trying to get him stirred up like, Paul, you're not going to believe what they're saying. You're not going to believe what they're doing. You're not going to believe how terrible these other churches are. By the way, we don't talk about other churches here. If you come from a church like that, I'm really sorry that happened to you. But we're on the same team here, everybody. We're on the same Jesus team here. That's just not what we do. It's not the way we roll here at this church. But but we we, we, we heard what what they said, and what are you going to do about it? So, So Philippians 1 ends like this. He says, I heard it's true that some people started churches in Philippi and they preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. And then, and then our guy, the guy that pastors the church I planted, out of goodwill. And the latter, they do it out of love, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. But the former, the other bad guys, they're just preaching for the money, selfish ambition. Not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. They know I'm in prison, and they're trying to make problems in my church. God, I love this. I wish I had time to preach this to you. And then he says the four words that could change everything in your life for joy. But, what does it matter? I'm not minimizing your problems. I just want to know, in the light of eternity, what does that really matter? In the light of living forever in heaven or hell. In the light of your children being raised godly or godless. In the light of your 18-year-old going to college and leaving faith or going on a missions trip that changes their whole life. In the light of eternity, what does it really matter? The important thing, next slide, the important thing is that in every way, whether they did it for the wrong reasons or the right reasons, Christ is being preached. So... Because of this, there it is, I rejoice. Yes, I say, I will continue to rejoice. I've rejoiced once, I'm going to rejoice again. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have joy in everything. Paul says, who cares why they're preaching? They're preaching Jesus. People are getting saved. Who cares what kind of music they got if it's loud? Who cares if the lights are loud? Who cares if there's fog and smoke? Who cares how they do what they do? I don't care what they do what they do. They're preaching about Jesus. you got to have an attitude in your life that says, what does it really matter? What does it matter? All this stuff I let steal my joy. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't, nobody said hi to me. I was hurt when I was four. I, my parents walked away when I was ten. I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing none of your hurt. I promise you I'm not. I'm just saying in light of eternity, are you going to let that keep robbing you of joy? Or are you going to say, what does it matter? It built me. It shaped me. It, it, it created something. It gave me purpose. It gave me ministry. I've preached all over the world. I'm not telling you that to brag. I've preached to tens of thousands of people all over the world. And I've told tens of thousands of them that for 10 years I couldn't have babies. I've asked God why a million times while I couldn't have babies. I don't know why. But seven years after I've had a baby, I'm telling you, I've preached to tens of thousands of more people and told them, you can, God can answer it for you too. God can come through for you too. I've prayed for families to have babies. I've prayed for them, laid hands on them. God gave them children, more children than they wanted. 
wanted to have. I'm just telling you, I don't have to know why. I just know what God had planned for my life. I know the ministry that I have. It doesn't really, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to focus my attention on what matters for eternity's sake. And Paul is on death row, last thing. Paul is on death row. He doesn't know what hour, day, minute they're going to come down and chop his head off, as was the custom. And so, and so he's writing to the Philippians, and he's like, guys, I'm in prison again. You remember when I was in prison there? I'm in prison again. And I've almost got this jailer saved. And there's a bunch of other believers down here. Keep me down here a little while longer. And honestly, I think they may kill me. And in my mind, I don't know if this happened. In my mind, I could see the guy he's chained to reading over his shoulder going, Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding? We're going to cut your head off. Do you know what's going to happen to you? And Paul Paul, Paul says this in Philippians 1.21. Last thing he says. He says, For me, if I live, it's Christ. If I die... It's gain. If I live, I get to lead more prisoners and prison guards and people to Jesus. If I die, I get to see Jesus. I'm in a win-win situation. Because when you know God, you're in a win-win situation. You can't lose. That's real joy. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what. You're in a win-win. And you can have joy no matter what. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody moving. Come on, take about 60 seconds. Respect those around you who who need this message. Maybe it wasn't for you, but maybe it is for them. The first vision of our church. We've set our whole church up for this moment right here. We exist for this very moment. For you to know God. Because when you know God, you're in a win-win situation. Paul said, it doesn't really matter, guys. I'm going to have joy either way. It doesn't really matter. If things get better, great. If things get worse, I win. If things start looking up, awesome. If things take a turn, we win. We win. If you're here today and you're in the middle of one of those situations, come on, nobody's looking around. Would you just be honest and say, man, this message is for me. Include me in this prayer, Pastor. Come on, hands up if that's you. Include me in this prayer. Include me in this prayer. I see your hands. Come on, let God see them. Hands up everywhere. Hands up in the top. Include me in this prayer. I need joy. Come on, keep your hands up. Let God see your sincere heart. Father, I pray for every hand that's raised right now that's in the middle of what seems like the prison, in the, in the middle of a, a dungeon, feels like is just locked up, no, no chance out, doesn't seem like it's going to happen, chained to an addiction, chained to a failing marriage, chained to past mistakes. Father, I pray for them as their hands are raised for joy to come back. That they choose joy today. I pray against the spirit of why. I I, I release you in Jesus' name from having to know why. I release the questions in your heart for why. I release you of that bondage of why. Why? 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 Why me? Why this? Why now? Why this situation? I release you from it in Jesus' name. Ask God for what? God, what could you do through this church? God, what could you do through me? God, what could you do through our marriage? God, what could you use my pain, 
our road, what we've walked through. What could you be teaching me, showing me? God, I'm going to focus on what really matters. What does it matter? What does it really matter, God, if I didn't get that promotion? We're not living in our dream house. We're not driving the best car. What does it really matter in light of eternity? Only a few things matter. God, I want joy back in my life. Come on, you got to pray that from sincere. God, I want joy in my life. I choose joy today. I choose that joy. God, I pray for every person in this room. If they've never made you Lord of their life, now's the time. You just, you just pray a prayer that sounds like this. Lord Jesus, I give you my whole heart today. God, I give you every part of me, my sins, my past. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe God rose, raised you from the dead that I could live forever in heaven with you. So, God, I, I, I repent. I give you everything today. I, I need you to be the Lord of my life, to restore joy into my life, to save me today, heal me today, help me today. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody shout a big amen. Amen, amen, amen.